In 2008, Pastor John Stumbo contracted a rare disease that he's still trying to overcome, and he described his challenging journey at a recent Focus on the Family Chapel service. I'll never know what about killed me, but the truth that I've hung on to is simply this. God is in it, and He is good. God is in it, and He is good. Well, this is Focus on the Family with Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and Jim, there is an underlying element there that is so foundational to to our walk with Christ. God is good. Yeah, John, and I think one of the things that I'm certainly still learning, and I think everyone is learning, and that is our relationship with God goes well beyond our circumstances. And that's demonstrated just about every day. Hmm. And I think as the Christian community, we have to lift our eyes up to the Lord to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you no matter what my circumstances are. And I will have joy in these circumstances. That's a mature Christian attitude and a mature human attitude. Hmm. Well, of course, Scripture is replete with people who uh, went through very difficult circumstances, and uh, Job comes to mind. I mean, he's Mm. kind of exhibit A for the kind of person who loses literally everything in life, and yet he says, I will trust my God. Yes, and today we have two wonderful guests with us that share in that journey of pain, yet seeing their circumstances for what they are and still putting their trust and their hope in Christ. And this is Todd and Angie Smith. Uh, Of course, Todd is uh, one of the band members for Sela and uh, his wife, Angie, who's written a wonderful, heartwarming book, I Will Carry You. And today we want to talk about your story and um, really delve into this issue of where you find God in the most difficult circumstances. Um, but before we go there, uh, you're the mom and dad of four girls. Yes. And I've got two boys. And John, you've got the mix. But let's talk, about, <laughs> let's talk about the way that uh, when a family of girls comes over to the Daily household oh. and they see boys in action, <laughs> they usually say, wow, is that raising boys? Just a lot of energy. Do you guys see that? We do see that. And we see... Um, it's actually funnier when boys come to our house yes. and spend, you know, 20 minutes searching through for something that There's doesn't have paint on it. There's nothing for them to play it. with. Nothing with <laughs> wheels, no guns. No wheels, no nothing. Oh, no. My, and my boys would not touch anything that's got pink on oh, it. Oh, they would be bored out of their minds. Yeah, that's yeah. Cootiesville. <laughs> yeah. Well, Todd and Angie, uh, today's topic, it's a heavy topic, mm-hmm. and it's one that I so appreciate your vulnerability and your willingness to uh, put it in the book, I Will Carry You. Uh, the subtitle, The Sacred Dance of Grief and Joy. Mm. And I, I love that the contrast uh, because the Lord works in that way in our life, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, talk about uh, the genesis of the book, uh, the core message there and what happened to you. You had a miscarriage early on, is that right? Your first attempt at having a child. That's right. It was. I was only about eight, we think about eight to ten weeks along when I lost the baby, mm. but... Um, but that was the first sort of major crisis in our marriage that we had to walk through. And it definitely brought out a desire to be parents, I think, sooner in our marriage than we might have even thought. How long were you married at that point? About 10 we minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We got married in August. And we were was pregnant November? in um, December. Yeah. December, December, so, so yeah. just a few months. So, yeah, you were just really getting to know each other. That's and right. And this oh. crisis hit. How did you cope as a couple with that miscarriage? What happened there? I think that's so interesting, the way that women and men deal with situations like that, because as a woman, the minute that 
you know, the stick turned pink. I was a mom in my mind, and that was the way that I was thinking. And I, I just think for men at that point, it's so much more abstract. And mm-hmm. so as much as Todd loved the idea and loved me and wanted to so- support me, yeah, I didn't. I didn't grieve the way that she grieved. No. It didn't really hit me. Maybe a, a couple months after we lost the baby, um, and we had no idea whether it was a boy or a girl. But maybe a couple months after, it really hit me. But when she was um, grieving, I was fine. You know, it just I was. I was okay. I think too, if we had been trying for a long time, right, it would have been very different for me, um, right. being so excited and then losing the baby. But because we just got married and we weren't expecting it. It just didn't strike me that way. And then with all of our girls, um, there's, and maybe it's just the way that I am, uh, it was so neat to see the pregnancy and to see, you know, the babies moving and stuff. Mm-hmm. But until they were born and I really got to hold them and spend time with them, it was almost like they weren't really mine until that happened. And once that happened, I mean, now I, I mean, they're, I adore them, you know, but it took me a while to connect with them um, until, until they were delivered. And I think that you've said it well about how a man might feel. I think most of us men connect at that point. I think that's what makes it unique for mom because Mm -hmm. mom is experiencing that pregnancy in a far different way than the husband, the father will. Uh, You got through that crisis and then you had twins. Is that right? We did. We did. Um, I talk about this in the book, but it was so funny. We had a library around the corner from us and I had gone in and, and checked out a few books on miscarriage and there was a sweet woman working and she said, honey, I'm so sorry when I check them out. And a few months later, I came back and I slipped a book on the counter and she looked at it and it said something about expecting your first child. Oh. And she just smiled and she said, honey, I'm so excited for you. And then a few weeks later, I came back, put another book on the counter and slid it over and it said, so you're expecting multiples. And she smiled and she said, honey, I hope I don't see you again. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite stories was when we actually found out we were doing the very first ultrasound and you know, had no idea. We knew we were expecting, but doing the ultrasound and they see this heartbeat, you know, it's this blinking light and it looks like space. You know, you can't really tell what it is. And all of a sudden I saw this other blinking light just every once in a while. So I'm like, is that the brain or what? Is that the heart or what is that? So I finally asked the nurse, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm confused, but if that's the heartbeat, then what's the other light? And all three, she had a, a good friend with her and Angie and the nurse right away, once they saw it, they knew what it was. And I still had no idea, but the best part was when Angie realized that it was twins, she was like, oh, Lord Jesus, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And, uh, Common response. And then, yeah, yeah, and then it was. We were in shock. Yeah, yeah, but it was incredibly exciting. They are amazing. Uh, they amazing are. Amazing. And their girls. names are? Abby and Ellie. Abby and Ellie. Born two minutes apart, but Ellie is very much the older sister. Those two yeah. minutes made a big difference. <laughs> right. She's true. in control. Oh, she, she is, is in yeah. control, yes. And She's she lets little keeper. sister know that. Oh, she lets everyone yes. know that, yes. <laughs> Very typical. And then some time passed, yes. and your next daughter came along. Yes, she did. And I like to say I had a very hard pregnancy with my twins. Um, we really should have lost them. I went into labor when I was only about 24 and a half weeks pregnant, mm-hmm. was in the hospital for about 10 weeks trying to save their lives. And um, with Kate, our next daughter, the pregnancy was very smooth and the hard part of it didn't start till after she was born. <laughs> so my twins are very easy children. Kate is what we like to call her, a humbler. Mm-hmm. She's the one that taught me I'm actually not the perfect parent. Uh-huh. Um, she's an amazing spitfire. Oh, she's, awesome. she's got all my Italian blood. And is she's right? just turned five years old. And if yeah. you meet her, she will tell you that. Then after Kate and the twins, mm-hmm. um, you're pregnant again. And this time with Audrey. Yes. Tell us the story. We were so excited to be um, pregnant again and um, 
had a pretty uneventful pregnancy until we went in for our 18 week checkup. And really it was just within a few minutes of the ultrasound starting. And we knew from the technician's face that something was Hmm. drastically wrong. Um, it just felt like all the air left the room. I mean, you could just tell. And, uh, so he or she saw something, but they can't really tell you. That's exactly right. But you knew. I knew. Yeah. I, and we had had some tests that came back a little bit abnormal. So we had had some testing done, and um, they had indicated that there was a very slight possibility of Down syndrome. Mm. Um, and I've, as a psychologist, and I've worked with Down syndrome children a lot and have a special affinity for them. And at one point, I actually prayed that I would be blessed with a Down syndrome child if that was God's will. And so I really felt like maybe that was what was happening. Mm-hmm. We went into the ultrasound with the expectation being this is the possible outcome. Um, and unfortunately, after a few minutes, um, she just looked at me and didn't know what to say. And I said, is this baby going to live? I just knew that it was that serious right away. And she said, I don't think so. I need to get the doctor. I'll have him come back in and talk to you. And I mean, just to say that we were in shock is such an understatement. We just. At that moment, uh, Todd, uh, as husband, uh, what were you feeling and what what did you do? It was complete shock. It, it didn't really sink in, you know. I mean, she said that, and then she went off to get the doctor, and Angie hmm. asked me to go get my mother, who had stayed. She was uh, supposed to go back up to Detroit, but just really felt like she was supposed to stay for the ultrasound. So I went out and pulled her in, and I was like, Mom, I don't know if uh, the baby's going to make it. And, I mean, we came back in, and uh, we were just silent and just hoping that when he got in there, you know, there'd be a different diagnosis. The doctor came back that day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did they do a second ultrasound at that point, or did he just read what was done and give you the He did a second. He wanted to confirm what the technician had told him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he came and sat with me before they had gotten back in um, and just sort of asked me how I was doing and how I was processing it. And to this day, I don't really know. I I think the Lord just gave me the words, but he said, how are you processing this? He's not a believer. And um, I said, my Jesus is the same right this second as he was before I walked in that door. Mm. And I just kept repeating, that's really the only, those are the only words I remember saying over and over again. Let's not overlook that because that's Mm. a powerful statement in a moment of, uh, boy, disarray, Mm. just emotionally and in every way. Why did you lean there? I wish I could answer you and tell you that that was just my first knee-jerk reaction. I just think that I was in so much shock. The only thing that I knew at that moment was the Lord. Everything so else. That was your core. That was it. I mean, I just, I, I think I needed to hear myself say the words as much mm-hmm. as I needed to say them. And over and over again, I just kept repeating that. And of course, he's looking at me like I'm half crazy because he doesn't, he doesn't understand how this is my coping mechanism, but it was. Have you ever thought of uh, God's response in that moment? Mm-hmm. I mean, think of our Heavenly Father, and we're made in his image. Mm-hmm. And as Jesus displayed emotions while he was on this earth, mm-hmm. cried when Lazarus was yes. dead. What do you think God thinks when you turn in that moment to that doctor and says, I know Jesus mm-hmm. is the same now as he was just seconds ago? How does God's heart respond to you? I love to think about God in terms of my own father. Mm-hmm. I have an amazing relationship with my father. And um, just to imagine you know, the image of a child who's fallen and has a skin knee and their first reaction is to run straight to their father. I want to imagine that like my dad, God would just be so welcoming and so loving and so proud that in that moment, 
that was my default reaction was mm. to lean into this place where I knew I could trust. It's something the world has a hard time understanding. Mm. Uh, some people might call it a crutch, or, mm. but it, it really is the core of what we believe mm -hmm. and the solace for us that God is still in control. Yes. I think one of the hardest things for me was um, knowing as a dad, as a husband, there was nothing I could do to fix it. Mm -hmm. uh, we just, after everything was done, we met with a uh, one of his uh, technicians, one of the doctor's uh, technicians, and they had advised us to um, terminate the pregnancy. And she was very compassionate. It wasn't just some woman who was trying to be yeah. cruel and, oh, you got to do this. You know, she had lost several children herself. And um, we, you know, just left there just devastated, you know, just not knowing what to do, you know, and we were told too that Audrey would be experiencing um, a lot of pain. Um, so then, you know, you start to wonder, well, mm. should we terminate the pregnancy? Would that be more humane? More humane, you know, and um, then we went home and uh, just had a day to think about it and came back the next day for uh, to be with a different doctor who had delivered um, all of our girls and just was a, an amazing doctor and we were able to talk with him more about mm -hmm. uh, everything. This is Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Our host is Jim Daly. Our guests are Todd and Angie Smith, and uh, we're talking about Angie's book, I Will Carry You. Uh, Todd and Angie, we had a miscarriage, a couple of miscarriages, and that first one mm -hmm. came pretty early in our married lives, and I remember the day that we left the office. Uh, that will be forever etched in my mind. I imagine that was one of the longest drives home mm -hmm. you'd been through, and I can't imagine how much silence there was. Well, are those emotions that you're describing right now uh, about the news? I can still Audrey. feel it right yes. now. Yes. Yeah, I can still feel it right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, it's one of those moments that you know is, is a definitive moment in your life. I mean, it's just, it is. I can see exactly where I was mm -hmm. in the room. I can feel what it felt like, in fact. And hopefully we'll talk about this later, but we've since had another daughter. And I actually went to a different doctor. I delivered at a different hospital. I just couldn't stand to be back in mm -hmm. that place because mm -hmm. the images were so vivid to me. Sure, I can imagine that. And uh, uh, let's talk about when you came home. I mean, you do have three other daughters. How did you express mm -hmm. this to them, uh, or did you? I w I'm really grateful to have had a background in developmental psychology. And I feel like the Lord provided an opportunity for us during this time that really helped during the entire pregnancy. Um, several weeks before we had gotten the diagnosis, I had found this little bunny in a store that I thought was just precious. And um, Todd saw the price tag, didn't think it was that precious. Yeah, it was not so, that precious at that, <laughs> he time. Didn't, he didn't, at that time. He didn't approve of me buying the money. And for some reason, after the ultrasound, one of the issues with Audrey during that ultrasound was that her heart was extremely enlarged. Um, it took up about 80% of her chest, mm. um, which was an indication that her lungs were not developing. So for some reason, after we had gotten our sort of confirmation on her diagnosis, we looked at each other and I said, I want to go back and buy that bunny. And we left and we went directly to the store mm -hmm. and the bunnies were gone. And Todd, you know, he was kind of panicked because we just felt like this was something we needed to do. And we saw these two little ears sticking out of a barrel and Todd mm -hmm. grabbed the ears and pulled them up out of the barrel. And sure enough, this bunny has a big black mark on its heart. And of course I just started crying and um, we took the bunny to the register and the woman's trying to, you know, scratch it off. And I, I just said, it, it's not, it's not going to come off. It's okay. And she said, um, well, let me give you a discount. Are we, and, I, and we just said, no, that's our bunny. We want to pay full price. Mm -hmm. Thank mm -hmm. you. So we took the bunny home. We sat the bunny down in a chair with the girls yeah. and we explained that this was Audrey bunny 
and that what was going on inside my tummy with Audrey was similar to what they could see. Mm -hmm. There was a boo-boo on the bunny's heart and that we were going to keep praying for a miracle. But some very smart people had told us that we might not get to bring our Audrey home. So we let the girls put band-aids on the bunny and we let them ask any questions that they had. And so for the remainder of the pregnancy, Audrey Bunny came with us to the ballet. She came with us to the park. We have pictures of Audrey Bunny in all these different places. And to them, for their age, that was sort of a concrete representation of something that was a little bit too big for them to understand. Well, and it really was a wonderful way to bring them into this situation mm-hmm. and help them grapple with it with mm-hmm. you in a childlike way. It's a, a great piece of advice for anyone that's experiencing something similar. Uh, talk about the decision now. We left it there where the counselor had come in and given you some options, although compassionately, but options like abortion and other things. How did you process that? Well... Like Todd said, um, we we had the impression that there was a possibility of her being in pain. I can't imagine two more pro-life people than my husband and I, but there was that moment where you're thinking, oh, Lord, we don't want to put her through something needlessly. Um, but as we prayed through it, we both had a peace very quickly, actually, that that decision was just not ours to make. Mm-hmm. Um, God was knitting her. and. Um, And in fact, and I love to tell this part of the story, and I hope that there are listeners that will hear this and will be inspired by it. They scheduled a termination for the day after my appointment. Mm -hmm. That it was just that that was the solution they saw. And um, they said, this is a diagnosis. This is what it is. It's not going to change. It's fact. And I will tell you that during the duration of my pregnancy, that diagnosis actually changed several times. Mm-hmm. For the better. For the better. And there were things that they said couldn't possibly happen that did happen. There were things that they said they didn't see that she didn't have certain parts of her body. Uh, when we found out about Audrey, we got on the internet and we started researching and researching and researching. And we found out that there were many times where the doctors, mm-hmm. even with all the equipment we have and all their expertise, diagnosed the babies as terminal. And in some cases, the moms were like, I'm not terminating. I don't care what you say. And they delivered perfectly healthy babies. And next to it is the picture of the seven-year-old yeah. climbing on the side of a cliff, you know. And, and then sometimes right. the doctors said, you need to terminate. And they listened. And when they delivered the yeah. baby who was, who was dead, they, they were, were able wrong. to look. Yeah, and the baby would have been perfectly healthy. You know, right. So that's one reason, too, to give it a chance if you're on the fence of should I terminate the pregnancy or not. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. Well, and you said it well. Leave it in God's hands. Absolutely. I mean, that is a good place regardless of all our technology. I was just going to say that. You leave it in God's hands Absolutely. because he's God and we're not. And there's not. something so sacred what's it happening is. that even now with ultrasounds, I've sort of gotten to the point where I'm uncomfortable with it because I feel like I'm glimpsing something that I don't need to be yeah. seeing. Yeah. What's you it going to change? We, he's in there weaving, you know, and, and they said she doesn't have a bladder. She doesn't have a stomach. She doesn't have this. Her kidneys are super they couldn't find any of it and lo and behold the next time here's her kidney you know yeah. you're and and you're sitting there thinking well, i don't yeah. really know exactly how that happened i'll never know maybe they weren't there when i went the first time it's not our right to know what the mm-hmm. lord is doing in that sacred place so it has opened my eyes a lot to we trust doctors a lot we trust technology a lot but this is just a sacred place where god is weaving and we need to let him do his work mm-hmm. yeah it's well said uh, talk about the day she was born she was born on April 7th, 2008, and um, she was just a beautiful, red-headed little girl, um, and she, they didn't expect her to weigh over two pounds, and um, 
so we brought her back to our room after she was born and they set her on the scale and it said three pounds two ounces mm. and everyone in the room just cheered. started cheering and um, I love to say this because it's one of those things that sticks out to me but I remember thinking even at that moment you have weight in this world Audrey you've got weight mm. and um, she mm. was with us for about two and a half hours uh, my children got to come in and hold her and love her and we sang hymns over her and they played this little piggy on her toes and I just loved her. I mean, we had loved her as a part of our family during the entire pregnancy and mm-hmm. we just loved being able to have her even for that amount of time. It was the most peaceful day mm-hmm. we've ever experienced. I mean, really peaceful, and peaceful mm-hmm. day. I, I mean, I remember being so scared before um, uh, she uh, had the C-section and not knowing what was going to happen. Um, but when she was born, it was just a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. I mean, God just carried us. And for anyone out there listening who prayed for us, I know there were mm-hmm. thousands of people praying for us. Um, thank you. Uh, because it was not, oh, this is Audrey. It was, this is our daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, look at her. She's beautiful. She's amazing. And um, yeah, it was a wonderful day. How did your daughters respond? Were they in the room as well? They they, they were, were present with you the whole time? They were. We we had made the decision ahead of time that we wanted to see Audrey first. And based on the situation that was happening yeah. in my womb, we weren't really sure what to expect physically. And we just said, we, you know, we're going to pray about what we think the best decision is at that point as far as the kids meeting her. And we really felt like the best decision was for them to see her. And um, they just, they loved her. I mean, I... They just loved her like their sister. Because of the choice you made mm. to carry Audrey to term and to bring your other three girls into that process, even though it was devastating emotionally, yet there was closure emotionally. Yes. Um, the fact that you bore Audrey mm. as opposed to something else, abortion. Yes. Did it give you as mom closure emotionally? You know. I don't think I've ever been asked that question, and it's a really good one, and I do feel like it did. I could say at the end of the day that I did everything I could to help her fulfill her purpose on this earth, Mm -hmm. and I was at peace when that purpose was only two and a half hours long. And hear me say this. I'm a mom. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I would have chosen. So I'm certainly not saying that you can snap your fingers and say, oh, okay, well, then that makes sense, and, and everything's fine now. That must be what God wanted. There were a lot of tears in this. There was a lot of agony over it. But I can honestly say there was a peace at the end of that time for myself and for my girls. Do you think uh, for the woman listening that maybe made the other choice Mm -hmm. and might be struggling emotionally Mm -hmm. and did not have that closure, Mm -hmm. perhaps feels guilt because they didn't leave it in God's hands, Mm -hmm. um, what would you say to her? Well, first and foremost, I would say that you have a Lord and Savior who is able to forgive any decisions that you've made. As far as the guilt that you have, that's something that you have to bring to the foot of the cross. That isn't something that you and your humanity are going to be able to work through. It's just too profound of a loss, but you did lose a child. Um, It was a different circumstance than the way that I lost a child, but you are a mother who has lost a child. And I would encourage any of those women to um, There are some amazing Christian counselors who deal with women who have had abortions and are now coping with that process. Mm -hmm. I would really encourage you to get involved in that. Um, 
and and find someone who can help walk you through that to get through that grief to get through the grief and be able to grieve it i think a lot of those yeah. women don't don't feel a right to grieve because of their decision in it and there is a grieving Mm. And uh, Angie Todd, thank you for being with us today. This is so good. I'd like to keep moving if you're willing to stick with us. And, uh, we would be honored. Thank you. Very good. Let's keep moving. Hmm. This is a tough place to end our conversation today. Uh, but I do hope you'll join us for the next broadcast to hear more from Todd and Angie Smith about the pain they experienced losing Audrey uh, shortly after her birth. Our program was provided by Focus on the Family, and on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller. The story that we heard today has the power to impact so many lives, and I think women listening in who have had to experience something similar to what Angie went through will know the pain and heartache of that kind of loss. Our encouragement to you would be to follow Angie's advice and take your sorrow to the foot of the cross and ask God to meet you there. If you'd like to speak to someone about your situation, our counselors at Focus on the Family would consider it a privilege to talk with you. Please call 031-716-3300 or log on to safamily.co.za and click the counseling link. We have Angie's beautifully written book called I Will Carry You. It's available through our online store at safamily.co.za or when you call us on 031-716-3300. I Will Carry You tells the powerful story of a parent losing her child, interwoven with the biblical story of Lazarus to help those who mourn to still have hope, to find grace and peace in the sacred dance of grief and joy. At this time of year, we reflect on the sanctity of human life, and we want to offer hope and love to any listener who may find themselves in a difficult situation where you're considering ending an unwanted pregnancy. Focus on the Family is an advocate for the voiceless, and we would love to talk with you if you're in this kind of situation. Please call our counseling department to speak to a trained counselor who can offer guidance. That number to call is 031-716-3300. We're going to hear the rest of the Smith story on our program tomorrow, and I do hope you'll tune in for that. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back then when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.